the message throughout the week that I'd intended to preach, but what the Lord impressed this morning. So Romans 14, verse number 9, we talked last week about being the Lord's. We are the Lord's, right? That's what we said. We are the Lord's. Well, verse number 9 says, for to this end, that is, that we would be the Lord's, for to this end, that no man liveth unto himself or dieth unto himself, for to this end, whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Verse 9 says, to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. So that's what we want to look at this morning. verse number 9. Lord, both of the dead and living. Let's pray. Cohen, would you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. So, these verses we've been looking at have an application to us as Christians. Um, We know that what's being written unto us here is being written to believers, um, not without application to those who are outside of Christ. We understand that. Um, But last week, like I said, we, we spoke upon the subject of belonging to the Lord. We are the Lord's. Um. I ask, you know, I think last week I asked the question, do you belong to the Lord? How important is that? When you think about Brother Wiseman laying in a hospital bed this morning, being able to say, I'm the Lord's and the Lord's mine. It's not enough just to know that Jesus died on the cross, but that he died on the cross for my sins, for me. Do you belong to the Lord? Has the Lord received you? You know, there were those in in Scripture where it talks about that. The Lord didn't receive, you know, them. Are you His? We spoke about sacrifice. We spoke about service. We spoke about what you do. You do it unto the Lord. And that being involved in saying, we are the Lord's. This is why we do what we do. We do all that we do to the glory of God because we are the Lord's. Those are the things that we were speaking about last week. Now, the report, I think I'd sent some things to you during the week on on Brother Wiseman, but um, the report that we've received is that he's he's nigh unto death, um, as it were. Um, I know you spoke, Brother Jerry, to his, his son, Terry, I spoke to his daughter, uh, Wanda, and the end result of that conversation I put into the text message that I'd sent is that they believe there's cancer involved and the cancer's got into the bone. Um, so do, um, do pray for Brother Wiseman. Do pray for his family. Um, it's only been since April that, that Susie... Uh, passed away. And so those kids were sitting here listening to the gospel being preached, and 
Brother Wiseman doesn't have to tell me. He's already told me in, in, in so many words with his wife. At that time, you preach the gospel. You know, so there'll be another opportunity. When I spoke to his daughter, she said, when it happens and she's expecting it to be any day, she said, we'll come up there. Um, you know, so be in prayer for that family. Christ is Lord over that day. Aren't you glad? Here, Brother Wiseman's close to that day. We may be closer than him. We don't know. We can look at him, we could say, he's next. But we don't know that. I mean, the doctors could have given a false diagnosis. He could get better, you know, and, and, and last many more years. I mean, we have no idea. Um, but whatever the case may be, Christ is Lord of that day, just as he is Lord of this day. He's Lord of every day, every day. We are the Lord's. And believe me, I have every confidence as, as much as we can have in one another that, that we know that that person knows the Lord. I, I feel that's the case with Brother Wiseman, and I pray the Lord would grant him comfort and peace and rest that he might be able, as he's laying there, even now and up to that last breath, that he may be able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. To you know, die is not loss. I mean, the world speaks so much about loss. And, and we do feel, you know, if, if, if any of you weren't here tomorrow, I would feel that loss, no doubt. But we do not, what, sorrow as others, right? We have a hope. We have a hope. We don't sorrow as others. We, we do still sorrow. You know, if my Aunt Anita passed away, I would sorrow. My wife passed away, I would sorrow. If my children passed away, I would sorrow. You know, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. I have every confidence she knows the Lord, every confidence that I would see her again. You know, there would come a day. I don't know what that's going to be like. I mean, so many people that we don't know, so many people that we've read about. I mean, you and I were talking about Whitfield this, this week. Um, but, you know, I, how well are we going to? I don't know. It'll be, it, it'll be perfect. Whatever all that's like in heaven, it'll be perfect. It, it wouldn't have been able to be any better. You couldn't have designed or thought about it being any better than it'll be. You know, it will be perfect, whatever it will be. I mean, I've heard preachers talk about, well, will we be able to play golf in heaven? Who cares? You know, who cares? Um, you know, that's, that's not, I, I know that could be a secondary thing, but, and I'm not saying that's the only thing for them. I don't want to put that upon them because I know that some of the men that I heard saying that, I know that they have a heart for the Lord. And the greatest glory that there's going to be is to be in his presence. I mean, Sister Delina was talking about the cereal box this morning, and when it's not there, when Brother Donnie is gone on a business trip or something, she misses that being there, you know. Well, we have the Lord's presence. We have the earnest of our inheritance, um, and, and we enjoy those things, but, but we long. You know, the, the whole creation groans, doesn't it? it, it the whole creation is groaning, longing for the manifestations of, of, of the sons of God. You know, so, so is there not some 
groaning there within us? I mean, I'm, I know I'm, we're, we're called to be content, right? Be content with such things as you have. Well, that means right now. Be, be, be content with the fact the Lord has me here right now where I am. That's not just the job I have. But I'm still, I'm still here on this earth in this flesh and blood body. The Lord is Lord over all of those things. It's not up to the doctor. It's not up to the medication. It's not up to the cancer. It's not up to whatever else it is that may be fighting the devil, fighting against us. All these things coming against us, it's not up to those things. It's up to the Lord. And I want to die well. Don't you? I want to die well before my children if they're in my presence when I die. I want to die well before my wife and my family. I want to die well before you. I think about the the psalmist saying, Oh, let me die the death of the righteous. It's... I mean, the Lord talks about that it's, 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 it's a, a pleasant thing in his sight, the death of the saints. You know, he, the, thing, the, the thing is about to, to happen, the transaction's about to happen for which Christ died. We're going to go from being here upon this earth to being in his, ushered into his presence. Isn't that a remarkable thing? To be ushered into the presence of the Lord for to be absent from the body, we don't need to be confused about these things, do we? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I, do I have to wonder if there's some kind of interim? Do I have to wonder what's going to happen between the time I take my last breath and what's going to happen at the very next moment? I don't have to wonder. We, we see it in Scripture. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, what's that going to be like? I don't know. Yeah. It'll be wonderful, won't it? I see the souls of those under the throne that have been martyred for their faith, saying, Lord, how long? How long? They're present. They're present. How long do we receive our glorified body? You know, how long? For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Why? Because we are the Lord's. Because we belong to Him. Because we're His and He's ours. Is death going to separate Brother Wiseman from Christ? No. No. Not even death. Closer. Closer. Ushering him into his presence. So for Brother Wiseman, if that day is truly near, death will be gain. Can we say that of ourselves? Okay, I'm, I, I, I see some of you saying yes. And that's good. That's good that we can say that. Are we going to be able to say it when it comes to the place where he's at? Is there going to be something that's going to be, you know, just gnawing away there and trying to say, I don't know, I'm not sure, you know. Lord, help us. Help us to reach that day, you know, and, and, and die well. And die well. Die as a witness. You know, I... Brother Woodruff, I, I, I'm thinking about him because we're thinking about death, right? Okay, so, so his grandson, J.T., some of you know him. Not J.T., sorry, J.T., J.D. Some of you know J.D. He had just gone in to see his grandpa. He was still alive. I'm not sure that he was conscious at that, at that point. 
In fact, I think he, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. He went in and he kissed his grandfather on the forehead. We don't know, just, by, just a side note, you don't know what people can hear and what they know. And those, you know, speak, comfort them, sing to them, read scripture to them, you know, pray with them, even though they're not speaking with you. You know, but he went in and kissed him on the forehead. He came back minutes later, and his grandpa was gone. But there was a smile on his face. And that was precious. You know, that was precious unto J.D. to see that. You know, a smile upon his face. Doesn't that give you a little bit of hope? He was unconscious, and there was a smile on his face. There's something beyond the body. <laughs> There's something beyond the, 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 the physical senses being, you know, awakened and alive and eyes and being able to communicate. There's something more going on, you know, there. There was a smile upon his face. And I don't think it was because his grandson came in and kissed him on the forehead, you know. What he had read of, what he had known from Scripture, what he had longed for, he saw. You know, he saw, you know. He, he went into the presence. I mean, do we not see Stephen? Was Stephen not there and he was being stoned and he looked up into heaven and he saw the Lord? And what did he say? Come on, somebody. What did he say? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That's what he said. Receive my spirit. There was something there. Is, is that beyond the pale of that happening for every one of us here? No. I don't, that's not beyond the pale of that, that occurring for us. Hang on, sister. I'll get it for you. Because it escapes me at the moment. I thought Donnie was looking it up. I'm joking. <laughs> That is Acts 7, 59. Acts chapter 7 and the 59th verse. It says, They stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And what did those who were stoning Stephen see as they looked upon him? It was, as it were, the face of hmm? an angel. Yes, that's correct. That's right. The face of an angel. I don't know if y'all just want me to give you the answer, if you want me to make you think about it. Stretch out and reach for it. So, listen to some of these things that we've, we've already read. Verse number six says, To the Lord we do or not do. To God we give thanks. Seven, we do not live or die unto ourselves. Eight, we live unto the Lord. We die unto the Lord. We are the Lord's. Nine, to this end Christ died that he might be Lord of dead and living. Verse 10, why do you judge or set it not thy brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. We shall give an account. I didn't read those, every one of the words in those verses, but those things are in those verses. And they certainly are in view, aren't they, when we think about death? I mean, those things are in view. Philippians 2, verse number 5, you, you know this passage. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read further. I'm going to read through verse number 11. 
who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashioned, or being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Brother Donnie said this morning earlier, bow now or bow later. Kneel down now or kneel down you know, later. Ephesians 1 says something similar. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above now, this, this is where we get into the, the, the area of verse number 9. To this end, Christ both died and rose and revived. Listen to what it says next. That happened. To this end, those things took place. And then the second half of that verse that says, that he might be, that he might be something? Isn't that a remarkable statement to think about? That he might be? That indicates something that was not yet, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. So go back over to Ephesians 1, when it says, which he wrought in Christ, and he raised him from the dead, and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So isn't that something to think about and, and to meditate upon? This had to happen so that death... I've got a book. Let me put it this way. I've got a book on my, on my shelf. John Owen wrote it. The death of the death, or the death of death, in the death of Christ, something along those lines. Basically, death died because of the death of Christ. That would not have happened for us. Brother Wiseman couldn't lay there in the hospital bed this morning and say, death is gain, except Christ had died, right? So that's what we, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, Matthew 28 and verse 18, the Lord said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. They belong to him. He is Lord, right? We're talking about him being Lord, aren't we? So read that again, verse number nine. To this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord. That he might be Lord over both the dead, the dead and the living. Might be Lord both of the dead and the living. So he is Lord of these because of his death and resurrection. He's Lord of these. 
You know, that, that thought seems to be clear there in, in verse number 9. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says that he was made under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law. Now, to be under the law, what does that mean? It means to be under death, right? Subject to death. So it was the death of death. I think this is the actual title. The death of death and the death of Christ. Does anybody have that book? You got that one, Brother Donnie? Owen's book, The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. So the death of death and the death of Christ for all those who are alive in Christ. So here God, through Christ, dealt with the death problem. We had a death problem. Death had dominion over us. But in Christ, what can we say? 1 Corinthians? Hmm? Right. Yeah. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? It's been what? What happened to it? It got swallowed up. That's what Scripture says. Swallowed up. The wrath of God swallowed up. Death swallowed up. He's Lord over the living and the dead. So here God through Christ dealt with the problem of death for his people. Adam was told, right? In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. It says when he died and rose again, we, we, we know in, in looking at other passages, when he died and rose again, he defeated the grave. And he defeated death itself. How would you ever have overcome such an enemy as death? Christ alone. Christ alone. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says the last, the last enemy. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. Death. Death is before us. Death's before everyone here. Didn't we say last week you have one day less? Was that last week or the week before? You've only got a certain number of days. Your days are numbered. You've lived one more. We may not make it to our 70s, 80s, 90s. Some of you are already there. Um, but we've lived one more day. Have we lived it unto him who is Lord over both the dead and the living? Death is before us, but can we say with Paul... You know, we said it a while ago. O death, where is thy sting? I want to read it now. O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory. Romans 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, because what is the wages of sin? Death, right? Okay. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, that is Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. We're not just guilty of one sin, right? Many offenses. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, or disobedience rather, sorry, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I know that was a long, lengthy passage of Scripture. We read the whole chapter, Romans 5, right? But we see, you know, there that, that, that death was reigning. Death was ruling. Death was over us. Death was a tyrant. Christ came and put death to death. Christ came and overcame our enemy. Now, we can die because he's Lord both of the dead and the living, we can die in saying, what? Death is gain. Death is gain. So the tyranny of death was defeated by the cross of Christ. Otherwise, not a single man or woman would have been able to escape its sting, the sting of death. Acts 2.22, you men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. You hear that? That's, that's the same thing here in verse 9, isn't it? Let's go back and read that, Romans 14, 9. I'll read it to you. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Let's go back and read that in Acts 2, 24. 
whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Isn't that something? Because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. If it's not possible that he should be hold by death, then it's not possible that we should be hold by death because we are in him, right? For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou see or suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now, David was speaking of Christ, right? Shall not leave thy holy one you know, in the grave. He's not, he'll not see you know, corruption. But because the Lord both died and rose again, that last enemy for us to meet, we have, we have a final enemy to meet. Now, we're, we're fighting right now, aren't we? Uh, somebody read that passage last week about our, our quoted, I think it may have been done, about principalities and powers and rulers and, you know, high places, you know. And we're, 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 we're not wrestling, not fighting against flesh and blood, but against those things. Well, there's the enemies all around us all the time. You, you, you speak to someone about the gospel, they're in darkness and you're light, and they don't want to hear. And what's going to pierce that darkness? You know, what's going to get through to that person? It's not going to be me. It's the gospel, right? It's the power of God, right? So we understand, you know, that that's, that's what's taking place there. We're, we're fighting all the time. Salvation unto everyone which, what? Believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, even to us. You know, so, but we're fighting these enemies all the time. You know, that, 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 that irritation, that aggravation, dare I say even anger at 40 chickens, <laughs> was creeping up upon me to the point that my 16-year-old daughter says, Dad, why don't you go sit down? You know, um, we'll take care of this. And there was a bunch of us, but I don't, Brother JT, what's, what's the largest number of chickens you've ever had? Can you can you wrangle chickens? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there was how many of us? There was one, two. Were you out there? Three, four, five, six, seven. Who else was out there? Is that, is that everybody? There was at least seven of us. We weren't able to. I was ready to strangle some chickens, but I wasn't able to wrangle the chickens. Um, But we're fighting against things all the time, aren't we? High places, yeah. Mm-hmm. He can be anywhere. Yeah, pulpit, pew, laundry room, kitchen. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure, sure. Can be anywhere, everywhere. Now he's not. He's not omnipresent. God's omnipresent. The devil's not omnipresent. 
And we don't see in Scripture that he has that ability. He's, he's spatial. He's, he's in certain places, but he can't be everywhere at the same time. But there's plenty of them, it seems, isn't, doesn't it? And not only that, we have our own flesh that we contend with, don't we? So we have enemies and we have a last enemy. But thanks be to God that our last enemy, that being death, is already defeated. And it's not just that, everything in between from here to there, they're all a defeated foe. Everything we face is a defeated foe. Um, In Pilgrim's Progress, there's a part where a man, there are men that are coming up, Cohen may have to help me, but they're coming up and they're saying, you know, write my name down. And they're, they're going out, they see the enemies out there, and they look fierce. But in the end, when they get to the other side, they were all paper giants. That's what they were. They were paper giants. Uh, because we have the victory in Christ, right? Um, he causes us to be victorious. He causes us to overcome. When you think about Revelation, it talks about those who overcome will be worthy to walk with me. And why? Well, how are we going to overcome? In Christ, we're not overcoming in ourselves, we're overcoming in Him. Hebrews 2 says in verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same. Why? Why did He do that? Well, it says that, he, that through death, the death of Christ, that's the thing we're reading about in Romans 9, or Romans 14, verse 9, that through death He might destroy Him that had the power of death, Isn't that an interesting statement? That he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Not only is death defeated, but the devil is defeated. The devil's defeated. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. That is, we've been, we've been raised to newness of life as Christ was raised from the dead, right? Having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled. That's what I wanted to get to. Having spoiled... Christ has done this, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. Isn't that remarkable? Triumphing over them in it. He made a show of them. They thought they had defeated him. He made a show of them openly. He spoiled the principalities and powers. These Things, Brother J.T.'s talking about in high places. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So in a sense, it is the devil that has brought this death upon us, right? In in a sense. I mean, he was there in the garden, and, and Adam and Eve sinned. In a sense, he brought this thing, you know, upon us and put us into the position that we are in under its dominion. By persuading you know, them to sin. And the wages of that, we've already said, are death. But the Lord by his death has destroyed and robbed the devil of that particular power or influence. Think about it from this standpoint. And even in the book of Romans. Sin shall not have dominion over you. 
Does that mean we don't sin? No. But it doesn't have dominion over us. It once did. Sin once had dominion over you. Sin once ruled and reigned in your life. You, you once walked according to the course of this world, right? According to this prince of the power of the air. You were children of disobedience. We were those things. But the Lord by his death destroyed and robbed the devil of that particular power or influence that we were brought under by sin. For those who are in Christ, he has delivered us from sin. He has delivered us from death. These principalities thought they'd won the day. But the Lord made an open show and triumphed over them in it. Do you fear death? Do you fear death? I I, I suppose all of us to some degree are a little bit afraid. You know, what's that going to look like? We we were standing out by the garden at, at the farm, and there are two enormous pine trees. And Ryan's standing beside me, and some of our workers are there. And Ryan said, I'm, I'm a little afraid of that tree. Now, neither he nor I are going to tackle it. We'd have to have a tree service come out and get this thing. But, but um, kind of like this one out here. Have y'all ever paid attention to this one out here on the side of the building? It's enormous. I mean, it's just way big around. But Ryan said, that one will reach Russell's room. And I said, well, I guess I'll just go by Pine Tree Express. You know, if that happens, the Lord is Lord over that, right? He's Lord over that pine tree if I were to go that way. But I, there's a little bit of a, I, I, I could live in fear of that, couldn't I? I mean, every day I could walk outside and say, oh, no, you know, that tree is going to fall in my room one day. Um, you know, or, or, or walk out into the dark and be afraid of this or that or, you know, whatever the case may be. But do we need to fear those things? No, it says here in Romans fourteen nine, the Lord is Lord over that day. The Lord is Lord over that thing. We are the Lord's, right? Take comfort. Have hope. We are the Lord's. Again, I think all of us probably fear to some degree what we don't know, what we've not experienced. You know, if you've never had a surgery before, you might be a little concerned, maybe more than concerned. Now, I've been through a surgery before, so the next one is not that I'm not concerned at all, you know, but I'm like, well, I kind of know what's going to happen here. You know, there's the person that's going to come in. They're going to draw some blood. They're going to bring an anesthesiologist in. He's going to put me to sleep, you know, and I'm going to, you know, hopefully wake up and whatever the problem was is gone. Um, but death, that's not something that we faced. But we don't need to fear it. Death is gain. Death is gain. What is death but a servant? Because of Christ. Think about this. What is death but a servant? To, again, to use the phrase, usher us into the presence of God. Death is no longer an enemy. Death is now subservient to Christ. He is Lord over death. And though it is appointed unto all men once to die, he's still Lord over that day and Lord over that death, and it will be yet a servant unto him to bring us into the presence of Christ. Just like Lazarus outside the gate of the rich man, and the angels came to carry him, you know, to heaven. We may not be ready to leave. We may think, 
We may not be ready to depart. Why is that? Paul said it'd be far better, right? Yeah. We still wrestle. Yeah. The Spirit is what? Hmm? Willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, the flesh is weak. Our times are not in our hands. The time of our departure is in His hands. If we have any reservations about that day, then I was thinking this morning about the man when the Lord says, All things are possible to him that believes. What did the man answer? Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, help us against that day. Christ has defeated death. There is no reason for us to fear it any longer. No reason to fear. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to step out there in front of a car and play chicken with it. You know, you're not, not supposed to tempt the Lord, are you? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It's best that you not do that. Yeah. Don't even like playing chicken. I don't even like playing with chickens. Yeah, I was doing that yesterday. There it is again. It's haunting me. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not saying that we, that we can't. What I'm saying is that we can fear death, can't we? That can happen. But we shouldn't. We ought to be, Lord, help us to be like Stephen. Even up to the moment of our departure, Lord, receive my spirit. Even up to the moment of our departure, we're being a witness and a testimony. Those men that were throwing those rocks at him, we already said, they looked upon him, they saw his face as it were an angel. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't spewing out vile hatreds and cursing, you know, towards them. That's the grace of God, you know, evident in that man's life. The devil may try to bring all sorts of accusations against us. Isn't, he, isn't that one of his titles? He's the accuser of the brethren, right? I mean, he'd bring all these things up, try to accuse you. What are you going to do? Hmm? Yeah. And, you know, get behind me, Satan. It, it, uh, you're, you're right. I did those things. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I committed those sins, but they're under the blood. They've been paid for. They've been blotted out. They've been removed. They're as far as the east is from the west. They are remembered against me no more. Christ has paid it all. So don't come around here and point out these things. I agree with you. I did those things. I agree with you. I'm guilty of those things. I agree with you. I'm not worthy of eternal life. But Christ is my worth. He's my all in all. So he may come around trying to bring all sorts of accusations. But the Lord helping us to see him as our Savior. Uh, there's, there's the victory. That he rose, that he died and rose and revived so that our hope might be firmly placed in him. The fear of death is there. It's hovering over all humanity. You know, I'm not talking about us now. I'm talking about them. It's there. Their conscience is against them. You know, and there is a fear of death there. There's a fear of condemnation. There's a fear of judgment. But for you and me in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation, right? For them, for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? Who walk not after 
the flesh, but after the Spirit, right? 2 Timothy 1.10 says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. You know, there's another word, abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We don't go through this world in uncertainty. We're certain some things. I'm, I'm taking this with me to the hospital. It's, this thing was given to somebody back in 1842. But it's, it's sectioned off. It's just full of scriptures, all it is. But it's sectioned off in different, different ways. And there's a lot of verses in there that have to do with death. And a lot of passages in there have to do with our hope in Christ. And um, if the Lord leads, I hope to maybe, if, you know, and if, well, whether he's conscious or not, right? I already said it, didn't I? Read it anyway. Speak anyway. Um, you know, see, I keep it in that little plastic bag there. It's, it's old. It's really old. Now, you, ever, you ever heard of that, anybody? Clark's Scripture Promises. You remember, those of you that were here, we started at one end of this book and went all the way through the other end of it. Like I said, it's all Scripture. It's all it is. But it's divided in categories. And we, would, we took those categories and we went through them one by one. Um, you know, all the way to the end. We do not go through this world in uncertainty. God has given us an understanding. He's given us an understanding of the hope that we have in Christ and the power that he has over death. Therefore, we see death as gain. John 10.10, I am come that they might have what? Life. And that they might have it more what? Abundantly, right? Abundantly. So we belong to him. He's purchased us. Again, that's back to last week, right? We are the Lord's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, he talks about that. He's ransomed us. He owns us. His power and his authority are what? Upon you. Upon you. You belong to him. You think about the servant whom the king said, you know, send to me. And the king drafts something, and the king folds it up, and the king puts his seal upon it, and it's orders that he's to take to a certain place. He's traveling under the king's authority. He's traveling under the king's protection. And the word that he brings to wherever it's going to is as the king's words itself, right? He's doing the king's business. He's going forth in a sense in the strength of the king, the authority of the king. That's where we are. We preach not ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. 1 Corinthians 3.22 says, Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, in Christ all things are what? Ours. They're also possible. Yeah, it was possible too, right? But all things are ours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. So even, like we said, death has become a servant to the believer to usher him into the Lord's presence. Here's, here's a statement I ran across. Listen to this. Death for the Christian is not a payment for sin, but an entrance into life. It's not a payment for sin, but entrance into life. So have you been delivered from the fear of death? Pray for Cohen. 
he's he's headed to um, 4-H meeting, and it's about chaplaincy, I guess. Officer Lexens for yes, <laughs> he said thank you. Um, well, I, we know his heart. What does he want? I got that office. I don't have suspenders. Sorry, can't do that. I got that office. I'm important. No, no, that's not. Lord, how can I serve you? Lord, how can I glorify you? Uh, Lord, would you use me? Could you use me in this place? Uh, could could I help these other young people that are around me that may not know? Maybe maybe their parents don't take them to church. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what that's like. I was never involved in in, in 4-H. But but uh, pray for Cohen. So have you been delivered from the fear of death? I was going to read a page to you. I was trying to finish before Cohen had to leave. I got close. Um, so I was going to bypass this, but since he's already had to leave. Um, reading here in this book, it says, I remember reading of the death of a Christian. I cannot even recall his name. Though he was in terrible pain, this was his experience. He said, my pain has been extreme, but I feel the presence of God continually. And I sensibly know that he is as near to me as I am to myself. That's pretty close. Whether I die at this time or recover, my will is wholly resigned. But I know if he calls me now, I shall go to glory. To the doctor who was attending him, he said, it is of more consequence that you should repent of your sins than that I should recover. For if I die, I shall go to God. But if you do not repent, you will perish. You must be born again. He was able to say that as he was dying. And then this Christian man said, I'm going to the heavenly Canaan, to the promised land, for which I set out long ago. On being asked by somebody, do you feel God graciously near? He said, his spiritual presence is here. And then weeping with joy, he said, I am full of God. His glory fills my soul. I mean, it seems like the the, the shore of heaven was already lapping upon his soul before he passed. I'm full of God. His glory fills my soul. I I have not the least doubt upon my mind that I shall reign with him in glory. He goes on to say, that is a man who has not only lost the fear of death, but realizes that death has become his servant. He is possessing death. Death has become his, and that is what he looks forward to. So there there are some other that I had here, something that was written about D.L. Moody, actually. But, you know, that's, that's enough, you know, to convey to our minds the place that we want to be. And the things that we're reading, the thing that we're, we're, we're talking about here, the thing in verse number 9, that's what it should lead to for us, that we would come to that place where that very thing is our own experience, that we no longer fear death, but we own it, we possess it. It is our servant, and the Lord's going to use it one day to usher us into you know, his very presence. The devil may tempt to frighten us, but we have but to say, you are a defeated foe. You no longer have authority here. Christ has taken it away. 
What you have done has been undone. I am the Lord's. I belong unto him. He is mine. Death is nothing but a door that I'm going to pass through into the Savior's presence and be with him how long? Just a little while? Forevermore. Forevermore. And we won't turn around and look back and say, well, I'm going to have to leave that behind. Wish I could take that. No. The closest thing we get to that in a good way is what Fanny J. Crosby says when, when she's talking about sweet hour prayer. You know, he talks about when she's flying through the air, she'll say farewell, sweet hour of prayer, and be ushering into the Lord's presence. It'll be praise, it'll be glory, you know, but farewell, sweet hour of prayer. She talks about that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. No, go, sister. Yeah, what you got? Even unto death. Yeah. He is our God even unto death. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. Did y'all get that reference? Psalm forty eight, verse fourteen. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Precious in the sight of the Lord is what? The death of his saints. There is a preciousness to it when, we, when one of us passes, isn't it? We, we, we miss them, but we also rejoice. You know, um, they've gone to glory. Um, you know, how selfish of us to want them back. You know, would, would they want to come back? Um, you hear some of these accounts that people say they go to heaven and the Lord sent them back with something to do. And I'm thinking, where, where was all the struggle? Lord, please, you know, you know, you think about the Gadarenes demoniac, he wanted to go with the Lord. Lord, can I go with you? No, you need to stay here and be a witness. No, I want to go with you, Lord. You know, I don't, I don't want to stay here. I want to be with you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really hear that, you know, in some of those things. We don't want to go. <laughs> That's true. He did. Yeah, if, if your presence don't, doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Don't, don't take us from this place. If your presence doesn't go with us, I, I don't want to go. Uh, and if his presence wasn't there, we wouldn't want to go, would we? You know, into heaven. If his presence wasn't there, yeah. Well, I hope you can say this morning, I am the Lord's. I belong unto him. <laughs> oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? If you can't say that, then all I have to say is look to the Lord, repent, believe, look unto Him. Um, because uh, I, I know there's not a person in this place who hasn't heard the gospel before. <laughs> you know, if you're outside of Christ, it's not because you haven't heard the gospel before. Um, repent. I had to explain to that man this week what does it mean to repent. I said, it's not saying I'm sorry for my sins. <laughs> that's not going to cut it. It's turning away from your sins and unto God. Um, rejecting, refusing, um, laying those things aside, turning to, Lord, I don't want to be that person anymore. I want victory over those things. I want to serve you and live for you. 
I want to know what it is to, to, to live such a life where I'm forgiven and cleansed, that I'm justified in your sight, right in your sight. I'm right in the sight of God. Well, Lord, help us. Let's pray.